in a world driven by selfies and social media, where empathy and entrepreneurs are considered contradictory. One podcast has set out to put empathy back in the boardroom by hearing from the best entrepreneurs around the world. Empathize It will hear from the leaders of the digital economy and learn how the soft skills drive their business. This is the Empathize It podcast. I see what you says on LinkedIn, and I see that you kind of do, you know, career coaching, career life trick coaching. Um, you're based in Australia. I've been to Australia actually way Good back when. That's, yeah, so that was a long time ago. I was actually in one part of Australia that even Australians haven't been to, Jindabyne. Jindabyne. I know Jindabyne because. Jindabyne is the feeder town to Threadbow where I've been skiing several times. So I know Jindy is the lake. Yeah, it's in, uh, yeah, so it was, uh, in the Kosciuszko yeah. Mountain. Yeah, Mount Kosciuszko. I know exactly Jindabyne. Yes, yeah, so I was there for, I was a counselor on a ski camp that brought people from, brought kids from America to ski in the summer. So we went to New Zealand and then we went to Australia and we went to Sydney and Melbourne. And part of the experience in Australia was we went skiing, uh, we went to ski countries, we went to Jindabyne. So, you know, I, when I speak to people who are from Australia, I'm like, I've been to Jindabai. I'm like, we don't even know where that is. I know where Jindabai is, <laughs> but I've been there. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. ski country. But, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, the snow, skiing in Australia is, is pretty interesting, but we do have snow right. <laughs> We do have a few right. hills that you can ski down. <laughs> um, right. So, yeah, look, uh, my background is I was a, a lawyer uh, many years ago. Um, I then became a headhunter. Um, I left... London, uh, I set up my first business the day after 9-11. Um, wow. And I remember having a meeting in London with, you know, two global law firms and we were just talking about is everyone still alive? And, right. you know, like a week later, I got on the plane, went to Australia, knew one person, um, set up a business here for myself, did that for eight years, sent uh, Aussie Kiwi lawyers around the world, made a lot of money, sold it, um, then went and set up a tech company in London, uh, which lost a lot of money. I <laughs> <laughs> hope, hope you didn't lose all your money. No, I didn't lose all of it, but it was it was a, it was a it was a it was a it was a big check anyway. Um, and that got me into startup world, into consulting. I came back six months later, found out I got cancer. So you know, I lost the business, got married, had two babies, and 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 sort of the world sort of was coming to an end very quickly. That gave me pause for thought. Uh-huh. Um, I got, it's like, I don't want this in my body. I want this out of my body and no one's going to help me. So I've got to work it out. So uh, I sort of went through the whole uh, Ayurvedic Chinese energy healing, shamanic treatments, got rid of it. I'm clear, Reiki, uh, meditation, everything. You know, and, and basically I'd always been, let me, I'm going to wind back. I, as a person, had believed that you can either be rich and in love, but you can't have both because that's what I saw as a kid, right? right? You can have one or the other. So I got rich. Then I fell in love. Then I lost some money. (laughs) Then I discovered spirituality or, in in my sense, Buddhism, I suppose, more more just like there's more to the universe than anything else. I always had that, that belief. Then thought, oh, well, all these teachings say you can't be rich and be spiritual. And this is like, no, sod that. Now I want all of it back again. <laughs> so, so um, uh, and then I had a, we had a fashion e-commerce business with my wife. You know, we've traveled for a lot. We spent the last eight years on moving every two years, different continents. 
So we're back in Sydney, but yes, what I, the work I do now is, is really a combination of various things. The thing which I'm most passionate about in life, or the things which I'm most passionate about in life, are, as we're talking about, helping people to discover the, one is to discover their sentient feeling emotional side, because I think once you understand that, particularly as a man, a, we can manage mm-hmm. stress much better in life. We can manage all of our relationships to everything in life. And we make better decisions. Once we get out of our head and begin to be more intuitive, yeah, you're going to do two plus two, you need to use your logic brain, but you don't need, uh, you, you don't need your intuition to work about, you know, to, to do different things. It's like a computer sitting in the background. It's always going to be on, but your brain doesn't have to be engaged fully every second of the day. Men, particularly in business, are very bad about just staying in here because... Life has told us all of our values are based on fi- our financial ability to think. Right. But what we're saying is uh, with uh, mindfulness, meditation, social awareness, self-awareness, people are beginning to understand that actually if you want a life you really want, you've got to engage with the rest of the, the whole body experience. So part of the teaching is, yes, I was head under for 20, 15, 20 years. Um, I've been a lawyer. I've run businesses on three different continents, had a business in Bali, had a business in Delhi. You know, I've traveled the world. I, I'm, I'm, I've, you know, I'm a businessman. I've been doing it for a long time. I've advised many startup tech businesses, enterprise businesses. I've done a lot of stuff in my life. Right? But it comes down to what is it I want to do? I've always liked, I've always, I've always, I've taught a little bit at universities, but, you know, as a businessman. So I quite enjoy the teaching back side of it. And that's all around a combination of the skills which I am an expert in. Right? So right. I believe I am, I know I'm an expert in everything to do with, with work because I spent all my life in that space. I've been an employer, I've been a consultant, I've been a head-on. So I understand how workforces work. I understand how the gig economy works. I also understand how to transition from having a job to being an entrepreneur because I've done it plenty of times myself successfully and I've advised many different startups in that space and businesses. So I also love technology and innovation um, because I'm a tech founder myself. I advise tech companies. Um, so what I'm trying to do is find, and I'm, I'm fascinated also by neuroscience, neuroplasticity, neuropsychiatry, how our, our own behavior impacts others. And that really, someone interviewed me recently and said, how, you know, why is you, you have this careers taking over? I said, not really. If you think about it, it's all to do with the same one thing, and that's people and how they behave. Right. Right? So what I'm doing now is blending, and so I'm doing some, I, I do startup work at the moment. I'm an entrepreneur in residence for an accelerator here, but this, which I enjoy, but it's really more about the whole, the whole package now, right? You cannot just go from A to B with the tools that I had when I was a kid because it gets you so far, but nowadays it doesn't get you the whole hog. Right. You can be rich. You might have a shittier life at home. You might have, you might have a big ego. You might have um, whatever, whatever it wants to be. Very few people get to be have enough money they need for their life to be able to help other people have good relationships, good intimate relationships, have a spiritual side if, if that's what you want or whatever you want to call it. I just mean that basically the universe right. is bigger than us. Whatever, whether you're religious, doesn't, you know, it's just there's something bigger right. than us out there, right? Quite clearly when you look at the planet. It's, <laughs> and so it's a question of blending all of those things into programs so that I can help people. Um, 
the technology and innovation side, you know, I advise businesses in that. But it's more about not just the technical skills. So for me, it's a combination of technical skills and soft skills. As I say, you cannot just get to be a successful entrepreneur or have a good career or whatever it is you want without really understanding how people relate to each other and how you relate to yourself. And so that's sort of the core of where I sit now. At the moment, I do a few different things as I'm building up the human consultancy, which is my training business and my coaching business. Um, And it's really a question of finding the right blend, which brings in all of those skills into a program or various programs which I can teach. And ultimately, you don't really discover that until you see how people engage with it. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, the North American market is one which I'm aiming at pretty strongly because their consumption of personal development, personal self-awareness skills is much greater than anyone else because they just realize they're in a not a great place, but they really want right. to learn. And they want to learn not just – I don't teach people just how to get a job. I'm not really interested in doing it. Job hopping doesn't work because ultimately you take all right. the crap you had wherever you're before right. to where you're going. So to me, it's about unpacking why is it you're in the state you're in today? Not why is it from because the world owes me something. I'm not interested in that philosophy, but just why have we got to where we are today? How do we unpack that and then move forwards and not go back to where you used to be? Right. And then learn from those mistakes and build something that's valuable yeah. and actually say is, why, what do I really want to do as opposed to, and why do I want to do it as opposed to just saying is, what do I have to do to, you know, to make, yeah. to, to kind of so, you know, if I look at the CEOs, which I've <coughs> and I look right. at the ones who are successful, the ones who are successful, who have gone from you know, wherever they were at to five, 10 X have, have basically realized there is more to life than them. The ones who have made money, but are still, you know, having to swim upstream is all about the money and the money and the money. They haven't worked out that actually once they settle into what else is going on there and how they can make a bigger impact in life on the planet, whatever, it doesn't have to, you don't have to be Bill Gates to be this person. You could run a hairdresser salon, it doesn't matter. Right. But once you realize that those self-awareness skills, those sentient skills, dropping back into the whole body experience allows the rest of the world to see who you are and see what the mission of your business is. That's when you then get growth. Right. Absolutely. That's exactly, that's exactly the focus here is, and that's kind of been like my, you know, what pushed me forward is that up until now, I've kind of been saying is I'm going to side sideline my, you know, my, we'll call it like my, my intuition, my, my gut skills that I, I know I have. And for the sake, for the sake of trying to be successful in business, and instead I'm saying, and now I'm saying is, you know, my aha moment was, I don't have to be that guy that, you know, hides my intuition, my skills, my, my ability to understand people, to, to listen to what they're saying and actually, and what they're not saying, but rather turn it back into and say is, okay, now let's move things forward, right? When you, when I, it's not just a straight business move anymore, it's more of listening to what they're saying, unpacking it putting those pieces back into what their products are, how their products are responding, how the people who are behind the products respond and those kind of things. And then I say, those are the skills that just like you said, is finding those people to say, is, it's not just, a, it's not just a job. It's not just a, a thing that makes you money, but rather the things that are making you money, there's value behind it. And if you can get to that core values, then you can really grow. 
then you grow and other people get to grow with you. So it's, it's that right. growth mindset, whatever you want to call it. But I'm using a lot of people call themselves mindset coach. Yes. And the, right. you know, my ability to do that is because I took myself on a five year journey of, of unpacking everything in life, learning right. from people all over the world, combining and integrating that with my knowledge as a business. And so look, I can teach you metrics. That's easy, right? And metrics is one of my right. metrics data analysis, one of my ex- areas of absolute expertise in business, right? So that's fine. That's a technical hard skill, right? Right. But how you apply that to the people that you want to, to, to impact and also how you as a leader get to scale a business or, right. you know, whether you are, it doesn't matter whether you want to be an entrepreneur or not. It doesn't matter whether how big a career you want. It's, it could just be as simple as, you know, there are people who have, um, let's put it this way, people have, who have great marriages, happy family lives, who just get beaten up at work every day, right? Right. And they believe that's the way it has to be, right? Or right. there are those people who are incredibly successful at work, alpha females, alpha males, very wealthy, but they do not see that they have a toxic relationship with the world outside. They don't see that yet because they've got fast cars and houses and lovers and all the rest of it. But ultimately that becomes to an end, right? Because as soon as their control base and their authority base, which is the power for them, which is money and work, um, as soon as they lose that power control base, you end up with nothing. Yeah, that's exactly, and that's that's exactly what I think. Every person goes through that like mindset switch at some point in their career. You know, it happens whether it's a financial situation, personal situation. Something happens, makes that switch, um, and that, when they make that switch, it's when they start realizing that there's something much greater than just them. Yeah, and that's what, and that's and that's and that aha moment is when they start realizing that maybe what they were doing wasn't a waste, but it can teach them a lot of skills. They can do some Sorry. skills. And, and one of the other impacts or, or, or places which I take this, depending on where I'm at, I was talking to a guy a couple of weeks ago. He's on the podcast. I released it last week. He's a big law attorney in, uh, in California. He owned a wellness center. He got stage four prostate cancer, six-month terminal diagnosis, beat it within seven months just by using combination of things. But, you know, we talk about... And he was fit, healthy. He's a biohacker himself. We just talked about, you know what, the thing, the key driver for him and all of that was he just wasn't happy. And he put himself into a cancering state because of stress. And so one of the, one of the things which I'm not a neuroscientist, but I, but I talk to a lot of them, is when, you are, when you're exposed to a lot of environmental stress, which your body doesn't have a tolerance for, it will impact you from a health from a health perspective. Yeah, there's studies on why does the guy who sits next to you doesn't get cancer and, and you do, and you're exposed to exactly the same environmental stresses because everybody has a different tolerance and coping mechanism to deal with that. Right. right. But the point is that you don't get there in the first place. So why be an entrepreneur and only get 50% of the way? Why have right. a good career but only have 50% of the way? Why not actually have all of it? Because all of it is available to everybody. Right. That's the exactly. point. And I think what's in- yeah. interesting now is that, you know, the young, like Mark Metry or another podcast you probably come across, he's 21 years old or 20 years old. He, you know, uh, and um, 
Brian Chalmers' his name. These, these are young kids, right? And yet their level of self-awareness is off the charts compared to, I'm 49, <laughs> it took me a long right. time to get there. Because the amount of information is available. All they do is put in a Google search. So like, I don't right. feel good or I'm missing something. And boom, you'll be overloaded with life coaches and self-development. We just didn't have that ability. If you wanted to go and immerse yourself in the world of um, uh, spirituality or self-awareness, you want to go and take a personal growth course, you've got to go, and, you've got to, go to a counsellor, right? right? And no one's going to do that because of the stigma, oh, I'm going to go and do this or... You know, you right. get into it by doing yoga or shagun, but those are all things which, you know, nowadays are to a penny. That's fine. You can go and do all of that. Um, and that's the availability is there. And so the younger guys, the millennials, or the, the, the not even millennials, the, the, the generation before them, are beginning to get exposed and they're beginning to question, not just question, is what is happening, but also right. they're beginning to act on it. The previous generation never got to act on it. Right. Absolutely. And nowadays it's, no, I don't want this. I, I want something else. And, and that's Correct. the place to be. Yeah, that, that's exactly the, I think that's what's uh, kind of pushing me is, you now I'm kind of in between those two generations where I've kind of had to go to, you know, go to school, go to those places. But at the same time, some of these skills you have to learn the hard way, but some of them also you just need to be aware of yourself as opposed to just saying is, I got to push forward on the business, got to push forward. At some point, you know, the, the meeting of the two kind of clashes and that's when you start realizing that the best you start unpacking things and that's when it comes really to the to that that strong level of yourself and also around you because you start bring the passion back and you start bringing things that are successful and and you know there is some of the gary v stuff which is you know questionable is like the hustle the hustle bang bang but right. it's like to me hustle is if i see an opportunity which is close to everyone else i will drop straight in there but that's not hustling that's just being sensible that's seeing an opportunity and seizing it and, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there about I'm going to do a, a video on this tomorrow and see it on YouTube and elsewhere on lots of people talking about resilience, right, in business, right. entrepreneurship. But resilience and tenacity and, and, and dogginess are very different things, right? As an entrepreneur, you know, I've been to the edge. I have been to the edge and I've been over the edge realistically. Right. Resilience is the, is the ability to bounce back, okay? Tenacity is the ability to, to hold on to something when everything else is sinking. But sheer bloody-mindedness does not get you anywhere, right? You can go into the abyss. There are many entrepreneurs, many people in the careers who are right in the abyss, but, and they believe that resilience is what keeps them there and tenacity is what's keeping them there because they're, they're, they're analyzing, they're intellectualizing everything they see. Once they start to feel, does it feel right to me anymore? What's my, what are the red flags, the alarm bells going? Once they begin to tap into that, they'll know whether it's, you know, they're just, they're just at the bottom of the barrel and they can get out of it or actually, you know what, it's time to call it quits and go and do something else. And I think that's, there's a lot of conversation about resilience in, in the entrepreneurial world. And yes, I've seen instances of founders who at the 11th hour managed to pull it out of the hat time after time after time again. But they're also, those guys are still going to go down and they're going down at the moment because they haven't understood when it's time to call, pull it, to call it quits. So they haven't understood that they've got that resilience and tenacity, but they're not listening to anyone. 
Right. Absolutely. No, they're not. They're not. They're not focusing on on what's going on. They're just trying to be. You know, use the word hustle, but they're, they're hustling hustle. out of their situation. But you know, and it depends on your values. You know, is erect marriage, erect friendships, is all of that worth it? Now you can look at some of these celebrity superstar billionaires and say and most of them are divorced. And say, so, you know, right. I just, I just want to be a billionaire. Well, good luck, right? But you've got to do that, and and sustain relationships. If you're just being single-minded, you're not going to be one of those people who has a happy life, good relationships, enough money to support you, spiritual life, nutrition, health. You're just not going to be one of those people. You'll be one of the ones who are super rich, but you're not going to have anything else in life. And, and that's where you know that's where I think the interesting stuff is. I agree. I agree hundred percent. I think it's, it's that it's the, but when, when you, let's maybe since you're already recording it, we can just do as you'll, I'll take, I'll cut the previous part. We'll just hit record. We'll just record and just, they'll send me the file. We'll make it easier. Yeah, yeah. Be starting. Um, but when you start working with someone uh, or with a, whether it's a CEO, a, a perspective, a client, um, a business leader, what do you, how do you get them to recognize that, you know, that they have to start being more aware, um, empathic about what they're doing with their, with their colleagues or with their brand or product? How does that, how do you get them to that point? That's an interesting space. I think, look, my answer to that, Mordecai, is that they've got to know that they're at that point. Self-awareness starts with accountability, right? It has to start with, you know what? I'm responsible for my own actions. I'm responsible for my own destiny. Everyone as a, as a human being knows when they are, you know, that they've gone too far. So what I see in the people I work with is um, those who will come to me and say, look, you know, and, and I've got examples of this, you know, people who are, whose businesses have suddenly begun to explode and they, they'll say, Ed, look, I know that my relationships are beginning to become different. People are no longer liking me. You know, I'm finding it harder to get my authority across because I'm putting my foot down on them and I'm not actually communicating the way I used to be because I've got stress. I've got stress in growth, but I'm not, you know, they're not responding to me the same way. But that takes a degree of awareness, even an iota of it, to know that something's not right. The next step is then, what do you want to do about it? Is this something you actually want to act on? So you've got to be recognized that something's going wrong. Just that alarm bell's ringing, right? But you've got to tap into that and say, okay, am I going to listen to that alarm bell? Because when that goes off, to me, I break it down into two pretty basic situations, which is it's either based, fear-based, it's based on an event which has happened before or something you know. You know, if you walk into the lion's den, you're going to get eaten. So it's pretty obvious. It could be a fear from an event in the past, which is if I do this again, I'm going to get burned. Okay, so you've got to analyze that and change and reframe that. Or it's one of those alarm bells, which is I can't resolve it. I don't know the answer to this. And if you walk away from that, that's the alarm bell that does get you in the end because you've got to not just park it, but you've got to reflect on it and bring it back up and bring it back up and bring it back up until you can resolve it. So find a coach, find a mentor. If you're talking to me that I'm, I'm coaching already, but if you're not, you've got to find someone who can help you through that because those are the ones which really get you into trouble. So, you know, if you're talking about, you know, a leader like Travis Kalanick from Uber, okay, you've got to ask him what was the point in which you decided you need help. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he's bored firing him is the point he realized, 
you know what, maybe I need to do something. But I don't know whether he believes that or not. I haven't spoken to him. Okay. Right. So, but when you're working with people, if you're, if you're coaching them in business and then these issues come up, I mean, they always do because to me, you're coaching the person. Right. Right. And, and that you, you can't just chop them off of the head and say that's all you've got. The point is, is if they're not open to it and they don't understand the impact they're having, they're not really going to be coachable in that domain. You can come up with a science and say, look, this is the impact you can create when you're in this space and this is the impact you can create when you're in this space and this is more means more productivity, more efficiency, more collaboration, ultimately more wealth, more distributed wealth, whatever you want to call it. But they need to recognize that that's important. Those values and those qualities are important to them. If they don't recognize that, you're not, they're just not going to be in that space today. They might get it in a year's time. And I think the other point is that not everyone gets this breakthrough or transformation or transition into, you know, mindset and into heart set and the whole, the whole body thing at the same time. And it's not, nobody's an aha moment. The ones who have really get it, are the ones who generally have had a catastrophic event in their life, you know, something the wheels have come off in such a major way that they've gone out. And those are the ones who teach. Okay. Right. But not everyone has to get that. Okay, you can just think, you could be made redundant. You could get fired in a job. You could lose a big customer and go, okay, crap, what happened? But you've got to have that iota of self-awareness to say, what happened? What did I do wrong? Not what did someone else do wrong? To have that accountability. And I think everything starts from that responsibility and accountability. If the CEO or the leader or the team leader, or even if you're a solopreneur, is able to say, you know what? I got it wrong. What can I learn? How do I learn? Where do I go from here? That's the starting point for everybody. If they're not prepared to accept that at a meaningful level, you're not in the ballpark. That is completely resonates with where I'm trying to, you know, the goal of the the podcast or the goal of what I'm trying to bring is to, not only me, but trying to raise the awareness of people's recognition that they are, you know, ability to not only produce on a business side, meaning from a financial perspective, but more of the fact that they should bring their uh, their inner, you know, mindfulness or inner workings to the table, so that when they, when they do come to the to the next meeting or they come to the next uh, pitch of a client or a pitch of their startup, they're bringing something more than just the straight figures, the straight, you know, what's good about this product, but rather they're bringing something bigger. And when they bring that bigger thing, which is their emotions, their uh, you know emotional intelligence, their empathy to listen to what the questions that people have been asking them, you know, when someone, uh, whether it's Walt Disney who was successful, even though most people said he stinks at acting, you know, and or someone who's Alibaba who just was, you know, he was just completely tenacious. His ability to just say is, I don't care what people are saying about, you know, my this idea, this model, this business is going to be completely, you know, a, a failure. And he just kept on saying, is no, it's not because he was so passionate about it and so aware of what he wanted to do that he was able to just, they were able to bring it forward no matter what. They didn't have to say, they didn't just say, okay, I'm going to, someone says no, but rather they listened to what people were saying no about, and then they fine-tuned their message further. So that way their message was so clear and their passion and they're, they're, they were zeroed in on what they're trying to do. So I think that's where, you know, being empathetic and understanding your emotional intelligence and bringing it back towards, you know, towards the business you know, business side in a way that's productive. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, the, to me, they're, 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 <coughs> that's absolutely right. There, there are two major elements in self-awareness or, or you know, as, as us as humans, right, which are probably the hardest things in, in my, in the work that I do and the people I talk to, the hardest things for people to understand, which are expectation and perception, right, is the expectation you have of other people, whether it's a client, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a customer, whether it's a supplier, whether it's your colleagues, is that, you know, I work with people who have high performance, you know, high performing in their jobs and they have very high expectations of everyone else around them. And constantly they're frustrated and angry because no one meets up to their, to their level of expectation. And often they don't meet their own level of expectation either. And so, you know, I, I look at that and break it down and say, well, look at, the, look at it into four elements, you know, control, communication, trust, and knowledge. You have a dial. If each of those are dialed to a 10, you're probably going to get a, probably going to get a good outcome. If they're not, you reduce the, the probability of that outcome on every level. Okay. You know, and then you look at uh, perception, which is, and that's a really hard one for people to understand, right? To really, really get perception, which is the, the way that you look at life through your lens, even on a situational basis, is entirely different from somebody else, right? Right. Once you understand that how people perceive you as an individual, perceive your product, perceive your image, your brand, everything that you do is in, always going to be different from the way that you do it and that it's right for you to have your perception and them, and there is no right or wrong in that. There's no judgment attached to that. You then have this thing which we're talking about, which is the ability to listen and understand someone else's viewpoint. Absolutely. And once you get that, particularly if you're in the digital or social media space or you know, selling product, you understand that your customers perceive what you're giving them entirely differently. And every customer is going to perceive it differently to another person. But as long as you enable and empower them to understand that that perception is cool, you might not sell them that product because ultimately that's not what you're trying to do. But as long as you understand and communicate and engage with that, and that's the same with every human interaction you have. It's expectation and perception. Yeah, compassion, integrity, kindness, gratitude, that all comes into it. Obviously, that's part and parcel of it. But when you break it down to I think those are the two hardest things for humans to understand. That's exactly. If, uh, you mentioned four levels when we were talking about expectation just now. You mentioned like four kind well, of um, This is this – is, I've broken it down into, I'm not sure, <laughs> 7 billion of us, I'm sure plenty of other people have come up with these ideas, right? <laughs> but to me, when I look at expectation, I think, okay, what are the key triggers in that which control the probable outcome? Because expectation is an expectation of a probable outcome, right? I used to be a lawyer, so I look at it technically. And then I think, okay, what are the things which drive that probable outcome? So if you are going to a client meeting, right, and you have a, you have a, so you look at, okay, how much um, control do I have on the outcome? How much right. communication is the, between the two of us or the two teams or the businesses about the outcome we're trying to get to? How much trust do we have that that outcome will be met even when there's good communication? How much, and that, then you look at knowledge, how much knowledge do we have of them? How much data do we have? How much human knowledge and interaction, intuition do we have about that? And so if you can say, okay, well, 
very basic example. You go to the bank, you put your money in the bank, you get out. So control is dialed right up because you have your key card, you put it in. Communication is pretty good. You know how much money is in your account. 99% of the time you trust the bank. 1% of the time you don't because you know if, if, if you're in Greece, you're not going to get your money back. But you know that. That's the, the, okay. And that's where knowledge comes in because you have a knowledge that you have a 0.0001% of that trust being broken down. So when all those dials are dialed up to 10, you know when you go to the bank, you put your card in the ATM, you get your money out. Okay, but if you flip that and you have two people who are going on a date, right? One person's going to the date thinking, I'm going to meet the love of my life, right? You know, this is going to be great. We're going to be intimate and we're going to have an amazing night, an amazing life. The other person's turning up thinking, yeah, I just, you know, I'm quite happy to catch up. But the information between the two, there's been, you know, very little communication apart from, yeah, we're going to meet tonight. There's just expectation. What, how much knowledge you know about that person? How much do you trust that person is actually, you know, going to turn up? How much control do you have over another person? You have no control over another person. So then you have different expectations. When the date ends, someone says, well, you know, I, you didn't call me back. Well, I, I'd never said I was going to. You just, or we had a great night. I thought it was going to be romantic. Well, that's how you perceived it. But I perceived it right. differently. Correct. And you apply when, that to everything in life. You know, they're very basic examples. But I think those four drivers get you in, get you the ability to have the probable outcome you're looking for. And would you be able to... <clears throat> Those four drivers, catalysts, triggers, whatever you want to call them, clearly are offering you know, very, uh, a very unique model for people to kind of understand how to work better and create better um, results for, their, for themselves, for their business, whatever it is. Uh, so would you be able to give us an example of somehow that you work with these four triggers in a way that produced um, some sort of positive result with one, or negative result with one of your you know, previous, uh, in previous experiences in business? As a way to kind of, you know, kind of, kind of say, now that I've learned this, yep. I was able to drive, drive the business forward or drive the, you know, the, the enterprise forward. I think um, what I can do is give you more of an example of someone sure. who, uh, as a, uh, say, a random person who I've been working with recently who um, is trying to, you know, they have a job, they have a career, they're trying to, they're trying to go up the ladder and they are um, a high performer and they are frustrated by other people's inability to execute on a task. Let's just take that as an example. So I'd say, okay, well, look, when you sit down in that meeting and you're leading that meeting and you know what you want to, you, you have your own expectation as to what you want to get out of it, okay, which is you want to drive your agenda through so you look at that and you say, okay, well, when we break down those four elements and when you're sitting in that meeting and you're beginning to get frustrated, if you understand that you don't, has, has the message you want, has your agenda been communicated to them in a language they understand, right? How much control do you have over them executing your agenda, right? Are you their manager? Are they a leader? Are they in a different team? Then how much trust you have that once that meeting breaks up it's going to be done how much knowledge do you have if you're new to a business you've got no knowledge 
right? So that dial is going to be low, reasonably low, right? The trust is maybe there because you're a direct superior, so, but it's not really trust. That's just about control. It's not trust. So when you look at those dials and you play with those dials and you think, okay, well, you know what? I don't have any control over them. It has been communicated. Um, I have a little bit of knowledge about them and I have a little bit of trust. But if, if your knowledge and trust is of a three, your control may be a seven or an eight because you're the direct manager and the communication may be seven or eight. You're still only getting out of 40, you know, maybe 19, 20. So what's the probability of that outcome? It's less than 50%. Right. So, you know, you, you can look at it and weigh it up and say, okay, well, it's, it's like going to a sales meeting and, you know, the sales guys have a, you know, tech business where the sales guy comes back and says, yeah, I'm going to nail that client. So, okay, well, let's look at what actually happened in that meeting to tell me that you have a 90% chance of converting that. So you have a new customer. So you have no trust and no knowledge. But <laughs> what have they communicated to you? Oh, yeah, we like it. Uh, we'll get back to you in a couple of weeks. Or we love it. Uh, now, if it's a we love it, we're going to test it. Can you give us all the stuff? Can you, you see us on links? Give us a demo. And they use it. And they give you feedback, right? And they have a budget. And they're prepared to buy it. And they need it today. Then you turn the dials up. Right? And you just take those things that they've given you, those, those pieces of yeah. information they've given you. And, and not, not in, a, in, a, in a way deceptive or kind of... Uh, controlling way, but rather using those those pieces of information as a way to move the conversation forward and, and lead the business forward. You're using it as a mechanism. Now, you know, obviously there are times when, you know, you go to the picture and you think it stinks, uh, and a month later they call up and said, look, we really loved your product, sorry, we've been busy, we want to call you up. Fantastic, okay? That's, you've got an outcome which was improbable, so that's really good. <laughs> right. What it's doing is just enabling you to manage your business in a way which is more efficient, is more your outcomes are more predictable, and it, as a business, as a person, human to human, you are not getting frustrated by people's inability to meet meet your own expectation and standards. So, what happens is when you give energy to something. When I mean energy, when you give something time and resources and space. Okay, um, you are taking a, an hour, a second, a, a minute of your day away from something else and you're giving energy into something else. Okay, If you're giving a lot of energy into something which has got a low probability of outcome, then you've got to say that you're not being very efficient with your time or that you are almost certainly, unless you have really strong self-awareness, right, you're almost certainly going to be upset and frustrated and disappointed because you haven't managed that expectation. You've given so, you've ceded so much energy to something you have no control over, you are just going to get smashed at the end of it. You're going to get hurt. And so when you develop these self-awareness skills... You only invest energy into things which you're passionate about, that you love, or you have high probability of um, success at. You can, of course, invest energy in things which you have a low prob probability and build energy around that and, and move those dials up. There's nothing wrong with that. But you're not going to spend all your day doing that because then you're swimming upstream. Right. And if you're swimming upstream, it's a hard fight. Right. Absolutely.
would there be any, uh, I always like to end the podcast, at least the last couple of ones, and people have done it, asked me to, you know, move it to this direction. If you had to someone to, you know, four or something, like maybe even four pieces of, <coughs> four or some, you know, two or three tips, maybe four at the most kind of things to say is what can we do right now for people to kind of become more aware of what they're doing uh, in the business mindset in terms of being more emotionally intelligent, more aware of what they're surrounding. Are there like three or four things that you could say is these would be really, really uh, valuable? Simple ones. Yeah, the first one is um, stop. Stop. The only way you're going to observe your environment and what's going on is to sit back and reflect. One of the things which I used to do every year in my business, and we'll do it again as I build another business out, um, is I would take a week every year on my own. You can do it with your senior leadership team. You know, phones off is just a period of reflection, strategy. What are we going to do? What's going wrong? What's going right? Really getting an understanding of where you're at. And when you stop and you spend more time in silence and quiet, your mind quietens down and your instinct becomes alive. It's like going for a walk in a park, right? You can't think about it's hard to think about mathematics or science or technology when you're walking in a, in, a, in, a, in a place of stillness. So the first thing I'd say is try and get yourself on a regular basis to a place where you can be still, where you have silence around you, where you get a chance to observe and reflect because that then triggers your ability to become more intuitive so you begin to understand what is happening around you. That's, you know, that's, a, that's a transitional thing from heart to mind, right? You've got to create stillness right. in order to do that. The second thing is um, think about when you wake up every morning, you just got to think about what, what, what's, what space am I in? Am I going to be kind today? Am I not going to be kind today? Am I in a free-thinking space or am I in a lockdown space? And the way you can do that is a technique I give to everyone. And it's a simple one. It's like when you wake up in the morning, think about your mood level and stress. Where are you at? Am I at five out of 10? Am I at three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? 10? What got me into that state? Am I prepared? Am I ready to go out to the day to the world? Right? If you're not, you need to pause, reflect, think, take a breath. And I would do some you know, breathing techniques and meditation, whatever. But you don't have to do meditation. Just getting yourself to a place where you know where you're, where you're performing at, then giving yourself the opportunity to recharge your battery so that when you step out of the door or when you step over the threshold of your home in the evening when you come back from work, you are still giving something back right, as opposed to just being drained. And so those little techniques and skills, just the things to be aware of, okay. But, and this, this, is, this is changing you into, uh, rather than being robotic, which is just reactive, into an observation mindset. And when you observe, then you start beginning to be able to trigger this emotional intelligence, self-awareness, actually see what's going on around you, and become reflective. And the, the whole point of this is that you start making, you become less reactive and you start making better decisions and your default states become more affirming rather than negative. Okay, that's, that is excellent. Uh, that's like a great group of, t- of tips. You said, so basically we should, you know, any person should kind of do is take some time, not just a vacation, but rather time to really 
be kind of regroup, even if it's during the day or something yeah. during the year. Just take take some time to kind of regroup and just appreciate the, the, the their surroundings and recognize their their ability uh, their abilities, but not not focus on what's called the task at hand. And the second one is to kind of more be like on a day to day, is to and even sometimes throughout the day to kind of rank your 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 situ your rank your awareness. <clears throat> you know, basically to, to rank your awareness at the beginning of the day and say, what can I do to make sure that my my surroundings and I'm optimizing my my efforts in a way that's positive, so that way I don't come up come across as <clears throat> excuse me, just being another, just being another, no, just doing another day, but rather what can I do to, ma to maximize the opportunities that, are that, the, that the day it presents itself with? Yeah, it's getting yourself into a state of observation, right? And, and so, yeah, the first thing I would say uh, very quickly, I would recommend if you can up to an hour a day of a place of whether you're exercising, whether you're reading, whether you're in a state where you're just in a state where your work is not impacting you, um, whether you do it the first thing in the morning or last thing at night, you can get yourself into a place of stillness just so that you're getting into a reflective space, okay? Um, I think silence is a really powerful thing. Um, the, the, the next space is... You have to, as we said right at the beginning, take responsibility, be accountable for everything that happens, right? The only person who can change anything in the world is you and the only person who can, the only reason you're going to do that is because you accept that everything's happened to you is by your own making. Okay, so that, that's really critical to this. But, yeah, that, those, that's pretty much the core. So the message about um, understanding your mood and stress triggers that's about journaling and that's really when you're diving much deeper into the self-awareness space which is what triggers my moods in the day what triggers my stress points okay how do i minimize that because what happens is you'll find that many of the stress influencers stress drivers will be different to the ones you think they are and when you begin to understand how your body works and how your um, your intuition works and how that um, you can be off-key quickly and how the results of being off-key have an impact. So let me just give you very, one very quick example, okay? You can, you walk out the door in the morning, right? And you think everything's good. But right. last night you went to an event and you got a little bit rattled at the event, you know? You, can you pause the thought you didn't sleep particularly well? But you wake up in the morning, you know, you leave your wife, your kids, your husband, whatever, and you think, oh, the, the day's good, the sun's shining, you think, I'm good. You walk out the door you have a pretty easy commute to work, you, you get to work um, and someone says something to you and you're just far off because you think that everything's good. But if you'd taken a little breath before you left the house and actually realised that you're still agitated beneath the surface and until you fix that agitation, everything which is going to happen to you is going to vibrate even more, then when you get to work and someone says something to you, you can you're non, in a non-reactive state. And right. you think, your, your okay. Response, your, your response is going to be much more aware and much more focused because you're not just, just you're not just reacting, you're rather doing, you're saying is taking the time to, you know, whether you did it before you start the day, or like as you, before you start the day, or you do it after you've had some sort of experience where you realize that that was not the correct response. You're recognizing your abilities to, you know, take a minute, take a deep breath, and then say, before being reactive, rather, you're doing more of a positive you're being, uh, response. You're being empathetic. Right. 
Okay, so 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 the the point is is that you realise at the at the end of the day that the observation is that you know what when I go to that when I go to an event late at night and I don't sleep well, I know that the next morning before I go to work I need to get myself into a space where I am back into five out of ten and above. Okay, because I and then the next time it happens, hopefully you understand. Okay, either I don't go to that event again. Or I don't go to the event in the same mind frame, mindset. Or if I do go to the event, I have to make sure I'm in the right space to go to the event. And then everything begins to change. Right. So you're, you're kind of front-ending, you're taking, you know, whether it's journaling, whether you're processing the information before or after, you're taking the time to say, what can I do to make sure that that's the response I get all the time by reflecting and identifying those triggers that were positive and negative. Pretty much, yeah. And that gets you into a space where your your decision-making, your influence, your impact becomes um, more positive. It doesn't happen overnight, right? And, and we have to work on this. But the the tools and method mechanisms and, and techniques are all out there. Correct. Awesome. Well, Ed, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I think this is really giving, us some, giving me something to think about, especially... Uh, about the way to kind of be more aware and focused about what we're doing. Um, and so I'm going to uh, really thank you for the, for the time, especially since we're 10, 15,000 miles away from each other. Um, and, uh, and I want to do is, uh, I look forward, if you can do is, if you can, if you can send me some articles, I'd like to put them into the summary of the podcast, some, some articles of some links to some uh, you know, skills or tips that we can, we can include them. That would be great. Uh, other than that, I really thank you for your time in helping us understand how to really become more empathetic, emotionally intelligent about ourselves and then using that to move the uh, business forward. My pleasure, Mordecai. And if anyone wants to, to contact me or find me, they can find me, Ed Andrew, at LinkedIn. And my business is called The Human Consultancy, which can be found at thehumanconsultancy.com. That's me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ed, Ed and I really uh, appreciate it and looking forward to hearing your responses from uh, and the values and the skills that people have learned from this. Thanks. All the- Be sure to sign up for the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And remember, the next time you're doing business in the digital economy, make sure to empathize it.